On the Record with White House correspondent April Ryan. It's our inaugural podcast this September. We're talking with a former Obama administration cabinet official who's coming back into the spotlight for what he sees as a potential crisis on the horizon. We're also talking to civil rights leaders as it relates to Charlottesville, the pardoning of Joel Pio and the transgender ban. And it's hurricane season and we look at what's happening in Texas to rescue, recover and rebuild. You're listening to On the Record. I'm April Ryan with On the Record. Let's travel to Texas. And Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee and her efforts to fight for her community as it's underwater after Hurricane Harvey. Jackson Lee's constituents of all backgrounds are making a request of supplemental funding right now from the president. With no back and forth and no shutting down of the government, I can count on my colleagues, Republicans and Democrats. I'm going to call on them. I can't imagine that they will have opposition to getting these desperate people the monies they need to even have housing, which is what they may not have when these waters reside. Housing for the displaced was also a problem during Katrina. Uh, The tragedy of Katrina was 2005. Uh, Since that time, we have seen the expanse and growth of Facebook and Google, and the world is technological. We can't have a mismatch patchwork of getting people in housing. We can't have a nickel and dime approach. What I want to see is a sophisticated, organized approach of getting an inventory of vacant houses. That's number one. That's an opportunity. Uh, Then getting, uh, with no strings attached, dollars to repair roofs uh, and repair maybe foundations. Maybe they can go back into their home. and so that we can move this housing crisis as fast as we possibly can. I'm April Ryan, and we're within the month of September, and he promised he'd be back. I'm speaking of former Obama administration, U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder. He sees a potential crisis on the horizon. Holder made the promise at the NAACP convention in July. Attorney General Holder, mm-hmm. you say you're coming back in September, but what, what are your thoughts, Attorney General Holder, about what's happening right now? Well, I mean, I think this our nation is in a, a time of potential crisis, and my hope would be that Special Counsel Mueller will have the opportunity to conduct a full, thorough, and fair investigation free of political interference. Um, and if that is the case, I think the nation will be will be okay. But I, I'm concerned about um, impediments that might be put in the way of his doing a, a complete investigation. Should session stay? That's for the Attorney General and for the President to decide. And are you concerned about how they're trying to say Mueller does not have the scope um, to do what he's doing? I mean, if you look at the charter that he was given by uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, he has exactly the scope that he needs to do the investigation, as has been reported in, in the press. Um, Bob would not do anything that was not consistent with the mandate that he has, and I'm confident that he should be allowed to do uh, do a complete investigation. And we'll let it note now it's about what's next, what's next to happen in this investigation, or if this investigation will even continue, and who will be the key players as it relates to those who are investigating the president and his staff and family as it relates to this Russia investigation. I'm April Ryan. In the midst of the upheaval when it comes to Charlottesville and the transgender ban, as well as pardoning Sheriff Opio, there are questions about issues of race, culture, and gender in this nation. 
But President Trump has long said that all the isms will be cured when it comes to finding jobs and the economy. Is that true? I talked recently to Mark Moriel, the head of the National Urban League in Martha's Vineyard. What is the state of the current racial economic climate? Well, when you talk about the racial economic climate uh, in the country, you've had economic recovery, you've had job creation, but black people are still behind. The unemployment rate for black people has come down, but it isn't equal to the mainstream. Number two, black working people are in the same boat, or I should say white working people are in the same boat as black working people, meaning their wages, their earnings, have not increased uh, over the last 15 years. And that's the stress. People are working, they're busting their you-know-whats, they're giving it up every day, but that paycheck doesn't go as far as it used to go. And that's the reason for so much of the economic stress in this country. Black people lost tremendous wealth in the recession, uh, lost 40 years of wealth creation, mainly in home ownership gains. And now we've got this challenge ahead of us to try to rebuild that uh, in a climate where we don't necessarily uh, have the support of our national government. So do you buy into the, the theory that economic stress is causing some of this consternation racially um, with what we've seen in Charlottesville and what we are allegedly expecting to see soon? So I think economic stress is always a factor but much of this is latent racism uh, that has operated under the soil or under the sheets or under the cover for many years that is coming out. And I think what's prompting it is a fear, an, an unreasonable and irrational fear that quote unquote the country's demographics are changing. And those demographic shifts an America that will no longer be majority white, but an America that will be multicultural, multi-ethnic by 2040 and 2050 has spurred a backlash amongst the alt-right, the neo-Nazis, the neo-conservatives, the white supremacists, all of the people that marched in Charlottesville. They are responding to and reacting to the inevitability of the demographic change that's coming to this country. And just as an African-American leader who is the head of a major uh, black organization, an economic organization, and former mayor of New Orleans, what are your thoughts about what we are seeing right now? I'm sick about it. Uh, I would never have imagined as a boy growing up in New Orleans in the late 60s and in the 70s uh, as the country emerged from the civil rights era that in 2017 we would have this vociferous backlash amongst many members of our nation. But let me tell you what the silver lining is. The silver lining is all of the civic, business, and media personalities who've expressed 
not only opposition, but outright outrage at the direction of a nation and also at the words of the president to tacitly and explicitly endorse this kind of evil, hateful, despicable, and deleterious uh, activities and speech by these far-right groups. Did you talk to Ken Frazier, the head of Merck, after I he stepped down? I have talked to Ken, but I know Ken. And uh, I followed Ken's rise uh, to the head of Merck. Ken demonstrated uh, a great deal of courage. Uh, had uh, that situation may not have gone his way, it could have cost him credibility with his own board. But I think Ken did the absolute right thing. And what's refreshing is the number of business leaders that followed Ken. Because it wasn't only what Ken did. Ken stood up and then he was met with a low blow juvenile tweet from the president who attacked him personally. And I said at the time, it took him 45 minutes to attack Ken, but it took him 45 hours to attack white supremacists, neo-Nazis, and the KKK, and in another 24 hours to tr backtrack on all of that. Forecasting the economics with the current racial climate, mm -hmm. what do you think we can look to if indeed as we've been hearing, there could be more attacks in other, or demonstrations by these neo-Nazis in other cities. The state of economics for this nation, what do, you, what do you forecast? Well, let me say this. We've had 80 plus months, many years. We have, we've had the second or third longest economic recovery in American, modern American history. And of course, these economic recoveries typically don't last forever. But this issue of an embrace of neo-Nazis, neo-Confederates, goes beyond economics. Economics is economics. And economics, a better economic climate, means people will live better and enjoy a better quality of life. But that's not an antidote for the cancer of racism, an antidote for the cancer of anti-Semitism. Uh, an antidote for some of the divisions that exist in the country, but not only are exist in the country, but are being exploited by, quote, uh, leaders and exploited by the President of the United States. You know, this idea that one would declare loyalty to one's political base versus loyalty to the people of the United States. Everyone is elected by a base or a coalition. But when you raise your hand and you take that oath of office, you become the president of all of the people. That's been the tradition in this country from the very beginning. And presidents have consistently risen to the occasion and provided the kind of moral clarity, the kind of clear leadership in a crisis. This was the first real crisis, a domestic terrorist attack on President Trump's watch. And many of us 
were concerned from the very beginning how someone with no experience in politics, no experience in crisis management, would be able to navigate a major crisis. What we've seen in a major crisis is an unsteady hand. What we've seen in, in a major crisis is stumbling and fumbling. What we've seen in a major crisis is unfortunately demagoguery from the President of the United States. I'm disappointed. Uh, I am, I am as, a, as an American, incensed uh, about it. As the leader of the National Urban League, I know that we demand and we can expect more and expect better. Charlottesville is a marker when it comes to matters of race with this administration. There was Charlottesville, and then there was the pardoning of Sheriff Joe Arpaio, as well as the ban, President Trump officially banning transgender military personnel. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.